Blog Talk Radio. This is the 4 FCS Fanatics Radio Show with your hosts, Adam Willey, Preston Adams, Dakota Collins, and Jeff Wigton. And now, here's the show. Good evening, everyone. It is October 4th. It's Thursday, and right now I am joined by Jeff, and we'll be waiting on Dakota to get the stow sharded. This is Preston here. So, Jeff, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing okay. How are you? I am doing wonderful. I'm currently watching Not FCS because there's none of it on tonight, but you do what you need to do, and it looks like Dakota is in right now as well. Good evening, Dakota. How are you? Good evening. I'm doing well. Just glad it's Thursday. Thursday rolls around. It means it's almost Saturday. So. Yeah. Always nice to talk about football. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. Um, Adam will not be with us this evening. He has family in town, and far be it from us to keep him from his kin. So, without further ado, I would actually like to do a quick recap of our, specifically, let's start with the game of the week. Now, everybody knows that um, we had South Dakota State versus North Dakota State, and the Bison were able to score a, I won't say a late touchdown, but the last touchdown, and then keep South Dakota State out of the end zone to win, which, in my opinion, was a phenomenal game, 21-17. Now, um... Dakota, were you able to see any of that game? I was not. I was in Jacksonville at the time that that game started. I did get the recap of the game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it went about how I expected, you know, low-scoring game. It required a stop in, you know, late in the fourth quarter to get the job done. And one thing I noticed was, now, like I said, I didn't watch this game, so I don't know if there's an injury or something, but I noticed that South Dakota State's running back um, let's have his name down here. Isaac Wallace. He had nine carries for 110 yards. That's 12 yards a carry. He had a touchdown. And my question mm-hmm. is, why did the Jackrabbits stop feeding him the ball? So, from what I understood yeah. is one of those carries was one that broke for 61 yards, but even still... Uh-huh. Um, if you took that 61-yard gain away, he was still gaining like five or six yards. Um, so right. clearly that other teams haven't been able to find. Um, so maybe that's a weakness that NDSU will probably shore up. But you, you well, don't that, expect yeah, you, look at the, mm-hmm. you look at the rest of the box score and you see, you know, North Coast, they had over 200 yards rushing. They had like a six-minute lead on the time of possession. Easton Stick only had to complete nine passes. He only completed 45% of his passes. And North Dakota State was still able to get the home field win. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's just the kind of, type of ball that North Dakota State relies on, that rushing game, you know, keeping the time possession up on their side, keeping the ball away from their opponent. Yeah, for sure. So, so Jeff, I believe you were at a homecoming as well, but uh, were you able to see any highlights game of the week? No, no. Honestly, and in fact, that we, because of kind of a situation that we had come up here, I was I had to follow that on, on um, on my phone. Actually, I had it 
So we uh, we are part of uh, the the Leathernecks Radio Network, and and so I was listening to the to the feed from Beardstown on TuneIn Radio, which was sweet. So we were able to hear the game that just for some reason the, the Leathernecks had so much trouble putting the Penguins away. I mean, they'd go score, the Penguins would come right back and score. You know, they. I, I really wondered if this game was going to go to overtime, and it's a good thing it didn't because they made an announcement about 90 seconds left in the game that inclement weather was moving towards Hanson Field. So uh, it was probably a good weekend for us to not be in Macomb, even though this would have been my probably my only chance I would have got down there this year. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, all right, so uh, just in terms of to, to wrap up um, the game of the week here on my part, and then we can go into um, respective conferences kind of, and kind of recap. What I uh, saw from the North Dakota State game um, was exactly what Dakota saw. Um, we knew that it was going to be very low scoring. Um, South Dakota State had more than flashes of really, really good uh, play, um, both offensively and defensively. But at the end of the day, I, I really think that, um, you know, North Dakota State did what they needed to do to come out with that victory, um, including, you know, just kind of controlling time of possession and whatnot. And, and, and it did take them a little while to get rolling um, because this this really was their first true competition of the year. And the same thing could be safe for, said for SDSU. But at the end of the day, um, I, I, I was not surprised by the outcome. Um, and um, we'll, we'll talk about polls a little later because I know that people have feelings and words about those. Um, so with that, uh, and, and, and nothing against it, I was I was following the you know the the thread on some of those polls. I, I, I couldn't believe how how passionate some people were getting about their polls. Yeah, yeah. I truly, um, I tr- and then and then trying to instill their will into other people's polls. Yep. <laughs> and and guys, I actually I promise I dedicate it. We we have, we definitely have some time to talk talk about it. I don't want to get too bogged down in it real quick before we get uh, our recap in. But we we'll have our poll talk and we can air our grievances with the uh, we'll call it passion of what we saw on Sunday and Monday. <laughs> I mean, I got to be real. I was like, "Really, y'all? Really?" <laughs> um, so, uh, I was Jeff, glad that this is the only place that I ever relieved my poll, you know, because yeah, I I don't put it out on the internet like you guys do, but I'm sitting there just watching some of these people talk about, especially SDSU, and I'm just like, "You're kidding me, right? You really yeah. are this passionate about where?" the jackrabbits are in this week's poll. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 I honestly couldn't believe it. Yeah. It, 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 it was pretty, it was pretty telling. We'll just put it that way. Like I'll put it out on my Twitter, but I don't have that many people following me on Twitter that really do football. So it's like, eh, if somebody catches wind of it, it's whatever. But uh, let's do a quick recap and then we will get into poll talk. Cause I do want to talk about that as well. So Jeff, how about a quick recap of your conferences from last well, not only do I have my conferences here, but I have Adams as well. So yeah. I just put them all in alphabetical order, and let's just th- run right through them. Uh, Eastern Washington jumped out to an early lead, and, of course, they ended up by doubling the score on Montana State, 34-17. to uh, Montana improved to 4-1 and one with a 48-28 win over Cal Poly. 
and Idaho State improved to three and one with a 56-42 win over uh, the disappointing Lumberjacks out of Northern Arizona. Um, go ahead. Oh no, I was just oh, anyway. Okay. <laughs> All right. Lou, moving over here to the Big South, I think there was only one game I really uh, thought was of note for the week. Uh, Campbell beat North Alabama 30-7. to Again, the, the Camels are on their way to their best, uh, you know, um, start ever, at least as they say in the post uh, or in the modern era of Campbell football. So it's, it's, it's always good to see. Kennesaw State, there was no question that they were going to hold serve there. And so, uh, yeah, Campbell and – and Kennesaw State, of course, you know, still running the, the Big South. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the Ivy League, Princeton State undefeated while handing Columbia their first loss in a 45-10 to 10 blowout. Uh, Dartmouth extended their 13-7 halftime advantage to easily push Penn aside, 37-14. Yale sunk Maine, 35-14. to 14. And Rhode Island beat Harvard, 23-16. And that handed the Crimson their first loss. Um, moving to the Missouri Valley, uh, again, uh, what I actually thought, I, again, our game of the week was out of the Missouri Valley. Uh, you know, the, South, North, the North Dakota State's win over South Dakota State. What I actually thought was really the most um, surprising and, 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 and kind of fun win to see was the Missouri State Bears surprising the Illinois State Redbirds 24-21 to in Springfield. Uh, of course, as we were just alluding to, Western Illinois held off the Penguins in the game that wouldn't end. Um, <laughs> the Leathernecks held on for the 45-38 to 38 win over the Penguins. Um, North, Northern Iowa stayed in the top 25 with a 35, or excuse me, a 33-nothing win last Thursday at Indiana State, and South Dakota won on the road in Carbondale. And, you know, we've all been impressed with Southern Illinois, but go figure, you know, any given Saturday. So the Coyotes won 31-24 to at Southern Illinois. Moving on to the Northeast, uh, again, only one one uh, thing of note here. Monmouth beat Wagner 54-47 to at home, and they had to score 22 points in the fourth quarter to do it. So... Quite a uh, quite a rally there by Monmouth. Uh, moving on to the Pioneer, San Diego destroyed the Stetson Hatters 49-10. Kind of showed me that they're still sitting out there. They're going to be lurking throughout the season, I bet. Uh, Drake won at Jacksonville 41-9. Davidson rallied at winless Valparaiso 40-35. And Butler held off Moorhead State with a late goal also to improve to 3-1. and one. And uh, talking about late field goals, that that was my key uh, thing here in the in the Southland Conference. Sam Houston State blows a late lead at home, two touchdown lead going into the fourth quarter. They beat Central Arkansas 34-31 with a blocked Central Arkansas field goal in overtime and their own 34-yard field goal, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, Nichols State beats Lamar 50 to 27. No surprise there. Uh, McNeese State holding off, holds off a fourth quarter rally from Stephen F. Austin. Uh, again, that's a team I haven't even thought of much this season. Uh, they, they beat Stephen F. Austin 17 to 10, and Incarnate Word beats Abilene Christian uh, 44 to 34 over in Abilene. And that's all my conferences for the day. 
Awesome. Uh, thanks so much. And I'd actually like to say, um, just off of those, the, the, the thing that's jumped out to me so far um, in doing this radio show, I know that I have been watching FCS football a lot more. Man, yep. the Ivy has some they're really good football team. Like, even though Harvard lost um, mm-hmm. and Rhode Island, their starting quarterback, Juwan Lawson, in the second half, Harvard's got a pretty darn good defense. They look like they can be definitely be a team contending, and Princeton is the real deal. Like, we won't be able to ignore them mm-hmm. for a couple more. They deserve to be in everybody's. I watched that game on Friday, and they just manhandled Columbia. So it's it's just nice to be able to be watching a lot more <clears throat> conferences that we uh, might not otherwise be watching. Oh, I'll agree with you on that, and especially you're right. Uh, the, the Ivy League has been a you know a pleasurable uh, thing this year. I mean, normally you're going, yeah, okay, Princeton's probably going to do good. Oh, Penn might be all right this year. It just seems like that that's been a, a much improved conference this year. Uh, For sure. I'm trying to even think. Columbia got their first loss uh, of the week again to um, – trying to think of who they played. I think it was Princeton. Um, yeah, it was Princeton. Yeah, it was. Uh they got their first loss to Princeton this this week. But you know, when you look when you look at it, their schedule so far, they've they've had the two games. They beat Georgetown and then they beat Central Connecticut State. I mean and they didn't just beat Central Connecticut State. They that was that was a rout. You know, that wasn't close. So Good job to the Ivy League schools this year. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure to watch them. Alrighty, Dakota, you are up. Tell us about your recap from your conferences. Just go back a little bit to what you said before about you know paying attention to more FCS. You know, I'm the same. You know, I told y'all when I was at the JSU game, I was checking more FCS scores than FBS this season. Um, I'm gonna start with the SoCon, and you know. You talk about how the CAA is just wow, and that you know the SoCon, the Southern Conference, that's how it's turned out as well. Um, just a quick recap. Let's see. Mercer defeated VMI forty-eight thirty-eight. Uh, Furman defeated Western Carolina forty-four thirty-eight. Good to see the Paladins bounce back. Uh, Towson pulled away from the Citadel forty-four twenty-seven. Wofford routed Gardner Webb forty-five fourteen. You already mentioned Kennesaw State over Sanford, 24-10. A little bit lower scoring than I thought it would be. Uh, and then the surprise from last week was East Tennessee State defeating Chattanooga from the rank of the unbeaten, 17-14. to And the Buccaneers are leading the Southern Conference at 3-0. and This is a team that had won four games all last season. They're already 4-1. and They won two conference games all season. They're 3-0 and in the conference. Is East Tennessee State for real? It's hard to say right now because they have a two-point win over Furman, three-point win over VMI, and a three-point win over Chattanooga. Now, the important thing is they're winning those games, but they're about the slimmest of margins, and their schedule gets a lot tougher, including this week at the Citadel. And then the week after that, they go on the road again to Wofford. So we're going to really see what the Buccaneers are actually made of. But it's good to see a program that, you know, I went back – a few years, and as far as back as it goes, 2014. They had not had a winning season since at least 2014, and they sit at 4-1 and one in the overall 3-0 in the conference. And then you go to the Ohio Valley. 
Uh, Murray State defeated Tennessee Martin 45-38. Eastern Illinois defeated Tennessee Tech 52-38. Uh, we almost had an FCS over FBS last week. Vanderbilt squeaked by Tennessee State 31-27. And then Jacksonville State rallied in the fourth quarter to defeat Austin P 48-32. And then in the SWAC, Alcorn State defeated Southern 20-3. And then Prairie View A&M. Defeated Grambling twenty-two to sixteen. You know, at the start of the season, we had you know the SWAC had always been Grambling and Southern. And what happened last week? Both of those teams lost. Alabama A&M got a much-needed win against Jackson State twenty-one sixteen. Florida International had no problem with Arkansas Pine Bluff fifty-five to nine. And that wrapped up the SWAC. Um, I already made my opinion known of the Southern Conference in the Ohio Valley. You know, y'all knew my strong feelings about Jacksonville yeah. last week. You know, we go, I know we'll <laughs> I know I know we'll get to the polls later, but just on my opinion, Jacksonville State looks very beatable in the OVC, especially after Tennessee State almost went on the road against Vanderbilt. Um a lot of these O V C teams are looking good. You know, SEMO got a big out of conference win early in the season against who was Southern Illinois. Um Jacksonville State did not look like a top ten team last week. The score does not indicate how sloppy and just how close that game was for the Gamecocks, and they've just not looked as dominant as they have in years past. Now I'm not saying they, they're not going to get any better, but just from the eye test so far, Jacksonville State is just lacking that same dominance that they've had in years past. The defense looks very just not what we're used to seeing with, for the Gamecocks. The defense was getting gashed on the run. Multiple receivers left wide open. If Austin Peay's quarterback gets just two of those throws, Austin Peay's in the win column right now. Um, and it doesn't get any easier for the Gamecocks. You know, we're going to go talk about our key games later, but Gamecocks have another tough uh, matchup this week, and it's a road game against Eastern Kentucky. And then the SWAC, I already mentioned, Grambling, Southern, they've been the, the pinnacle of the SWAC, if you will. And then Southern's losing by three possessions to Alcorn State. And then Prairie View has been one my most impressive team this season so far. You know, they held their own against Rice, the FBS Rice. They held their own against Sam Houston State. And now they they demolished North Carolina Central on ESPN. And then last week they take down the top dog in Grambling, who is struggling mightily this season. So it's nice to see these conferences, like, like I said, East Tennessee State. Prairie View A&M, these programs who are not so used to continuous success start turning their program around. Even if they don't finish there at the end of the season, at least they're in the discussion and in the race for the conference title. And that wrapped up my conferences for the week. Yeah, awesome, Uh, Dakota. Really, really appreciate that insight. And I'm glad you mentioned the SWAC thing because um, uh, when I talk about the MEAC, it's probably going to be more of the same actually only going to mention a couple of the Patriot League games. Um, we've all kind of um, lamented Lafayette and how, you know, bad they are, as even as Patriot League team. They pulled out a win against Central Connecticut State 31-24 to last week. And then the only other game that I'm going to mention, um, and they'll probably be the only team that I mention until I need to mention otherwise from the Patriot League, is Colgate. And they went down to William and Mary and uh, shut him out, twenty-three nothing. Um, 
you know, I thought maybe William and Mary would play a little bit better playing for Jimmy Laycock in his last season, but they're just not there right now. Um, and Colgate, uh, to credit, they're undefeated right now. Um, they're 4-0, um, and they've already beaten the CAA and granted their, their bottom seed. Still two teams from the CAA. Um, and impressive. Colgate is a 3 nothing, and I know they're somewhere floating around the bottom of the top 25 in the polls, but if they keep winning, if they go undefeated, which they very well may, um, they could be looking at a, in a playoff game. Which you know, we would have laughed at you if you said that. Okay, so I'm going to start off uh, then from the MIAC with the uh, game that was on Thursday. North Carolina A&T uh, shook off their game and a half hangover. Call it a half because against South Carolina State, uh, they had three turnovers in the first half, and those three turnovers turned to points. So uh, naturally, people were thinking, oh. They're, they're fake. They suck. Um, but in the second half, back, and they ended up winning 31-16. I think uh, Lamar Renard and offense gained 207 total yards of offense in the third quarter or something. So it was basically like they uh, they got like a shock to their system and said, okay, time to cut the crap. It's to actually play these games because like <laughs> And um, a couple of interesting games that I also saw out of the MEAC. Uh, so Norfolk State, um, which a lot of us like to laugh at because the way that they get beat by James, they haven't been a good program as of late. They beat Delaware State 54-28, to which, again, you know, take who they uh, you take that with a grain of salt. But um, that's beating in a supposed to be and beating them and on that same note, Florida A&M going into North Carolina Central, beating the brakes off of this. Now, that's an all safely. Eagles are not the team that they've been over the past couple of years. Um, they, uh, they're just not looking that great this year. But Florida A&M was a sleeper team looking to go on the come up and you know maybe challenge North Carolina A&T for uh, for the MEAC title. And since uh, North Carolina A&T has looked a little vulnerable, um, this, this, this is something that can definitely happen. And, and Florida A&M went into North Carolina Central and, and, and put it on them. It was 55-14. to 14. That was the final score. And, you know, I haven't seen a Florida A&M, Florida A&M team look quite like that since they were about two seconds from moving up to, uh, to FBS competition. So, It'll be interesting to uh, keep an eye on the Rattlers this season and see what they can do. Uh, Bethune-Cookman went to Savannah State, won 35-20. Again, game that they're supposed to win. That's a team they're supposed to beat. So think too much about that. So I am now going to move on to the CAA. It has already been mentioned that Brody went to Harvard and beat them 23-16. Uh, their uh, starting quarterback, Jawan Lawson, got hurt that game. Uh, hopefully he's ready to go for this weekend, though I have not heard anything as to his status. Uh, Maine was already mentioned, losing to Yale 35-14. Um, not so surprising because Maine was missing their starting quarterback, but their offense just looked inept that game. They could not move the ball at all. And honestly, I expected a little more from their defense, which is why um, them putting up uh, – 
having Yale put up 35 points on you when Maine is supposed to have that staunchy defense was a little bit of a surprise to me. Then um, move on to Elon. Uh, they beat a rudderless New Hampshire team 30-9, to um, a game that they're supposed to win, but, you know, if you're going to be a top-10 football team in the nation, these are teams that you're supposed to put away and do so convincingly. They have a dangerous rushing attack, Elon does. So, um, you know, I'm not going to shoot too far ahead, but it should be a very interesting matchup that they have against the Dukes uh, this upcoming Saturday. Uh, Towson continued their offensive ways. Not offensive, but offensive. And uh, ended up beating the Citadel 40. Um, uh, Tom Flacco. Tom? I think his name's Tom. Um, so, I call him Will Flacco. He is the real deal from what I've seen, um, especially, you know, at an FCS level. Um, he can run. He can throw. Uh, his throws are accurate. He is a little prone to throwing interceptions, so against some better um, some better offenses or some better defenses, that might be a bit of a problem. But, um, you know, on the whole, I, I like what I've seen from Towson so far this year. And they beat a Citadel team that has been playing teams very well and very close. They just haven't been able to get over that hump. Um, I'm not going to save this game for last. We're just going to get this out of the way real quick. JMU beat the brakes off of Richmond. Oh, my gosh. 63-10, to 10, and it wasn't even that close. Um, Richmond got a bunch of, you know, a few big plays in there throwing down the field, which concerns me. But when they got to the red zone, they just couldn't punch it in. Jimmy Moreland had another pick six. This one for 100 yards. JMU's running rushing offense was phenomenal as could it be. Again, there's there's really not much to say about fifty three to ten except that it is the biggest margin of victory that JMU has ever had on the road. And to my knowledge, the biggest margin of victory that this rivalry has ever seen. Um the biggest blowout that I had ever seen before was fifty five twenty a few years ago that you put on Richmond. Um but this like this was just crazy to work. I you know, like I said, it's rivalry I, I just did not expect this to go so badly. As you were watching the game, like seeing the entire Richmond program integrate for you. Which for me is something that I never saw and you know, I'm never gonna have too much pity on this but it's a little sad because Daniel and Richmond used to be a really, really heated rivalry and now like Richmond, especially their faces, their tails between their legs, and saying, "Okay, JMU's here. Woe is us in our, in our uh, 2.37 billion dollar endowment. We can't afford to have a good football team." But I'm rambling. We'll move on to um, a game that actually really, really has some interesting playoff implications. Villanova losing to Stony Brook, 29 to 27. Villanova was up by 20 point in this game. And Stony Brook came back and beat the Wildcats. So what's wrong with Villanova? They've now given up 45 points and then given up a 21 to Stony Brook. Uh, this this is not what I was expecting from the Wildcats this year. Um, and Stony Brook is looking like they're really trying to vie for a second or third best in the CAA. It's going to be very interesting as a game against get into. It's going to be fascinating. Nova is more or less in a win situation after this Stony Brook loss. 
Um, so with that, I think I'm covering my call. Did you want to add anything else last week before we move on to the polls? Well, which poll should we talk about first? Should we do the stats poll or should we do our own personal polls? Um, <clears throat> I'm. Uh, let's go with uh, let's go with personal top ten. So, Jeff, how about you? Tell us what your personal top ten is. Sounds good. Let me bring it over here. Uh, okay. Uh, and, I, and I so love uh, my computer tonight. It is helping me out with that. Okay, so Elon, I had. I mean, I, a lot of my poll right now is is mirroring um, the stats poll. Uh, Elon, hmm. I do have a tenth. I did. I do have uh, McNeese in ninth. I I know that uh, that you were strongly uh, Dakota struggling with this, but Jacksonville State I do have an eighth. I'm finally giving the Wofford Terriers some love, and I put them in seventh place. Weber State still impresses me. They're still in my sixth spot. I did switch. Uh, I did put South Dakota State down, and it's not because of their loss to uh, North Dakota State. It's more just because Eastern Washington is impressing the socks off of me. So I moved uh, South Dakota State down to fifth. Um, I've got Kennesaw State still in fourth. Eastern Washington I moved up to third. Uh, JMU I've gotten second. And North Dakota State I've gotten first. All righty. Um, Dakota, what about you? What's your top ten look like this week? <clears throat> All right, let's see. So, obviously, number one, North Dakota State. Number two, James Madison. I, as well, dropped South Dakota State down. Um, it's not because I don't think they're a bad team or they lost or whatever. It's just because I think Eastern Washington has really impressed me enough to put them over the Jackrabbits. So, I put Eastern Washington three, South Dakota State four. I think that's a, a solid top four right now. Um, then number five, I have Kennesaw State. Number six was... Weber State, seven was Wofford, eight is UC Davis, nine is Elon, and then against my own better judgment, tenth is Jacksonville State, just because I was going to drop them, but everyone behind them lost and didn't look good, so had no reason to really drop them out of the poll altogether, but Jacksonville State stays at at number ten. All right. Awesome. So I will run through mine really quick, and then we can skip over to the stats poll because uh, uh, some interesting stuff going on over there as well. So my number one is North Dakota State. My number two is James Madison. And I, too, dropped South Dakota State a little bit. But um, I have oh, I have it as EMU. Uh, that's Eastern Mennonite University uh, in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Um, <laughs> Eastern Washington, I have it number three. And then I have South Dakota State four. Uh, Kennesaw State 5, and Weber State 6. Those are the teams that right now I'm seeing as serious title contenders, but over the course of the season, we'll see what happens. Then at 7, I have Elon. At number 8, I have UC Davis. Number 9, Wofford. And number 10, McNeese State. With, you know, I always say, oh, there's in contention floating right outside. And among those was Jacksonville State and uh, North Carolina A and T for me. Um, so sounds like most of our top tens are more or less the same, with some slight variation at the bottom. 
Uh, just out of curiosity, Jeff, uh, what, what's your thoughts on UC Davis? I don't think I heard you having them in your top ten. I don't. I'm okay. watching them. Um, I, 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 they're definitely a team that if, uh, for instance, if Jacksonville State has a bad week this week, uh, I very well may move them up to my top ten spot. Um, you know, I dropped, I dropped um, the Redbirds out. I had them at seventh this week, and then I moved Wofford up into that spot because I was reading a little bit about Wofford, and I, and I, I like what I've been reading, you know, from week to week. But uh, I did move Wofford up into the, into where I had uh, Illinois State this week, and then I also, okay, here it's popping back back and forth on me again. Um, here, let me just minimize this. It'll, that'll take care of it. I did move McNeese back up into ninth spot, and and from what I've been reading, I also, and, and actually even even a little bit of the discussion this week on the uh, on the threads, I moved Elon up into the tenth spot there. So uh, really, I didn't have much in the top six that changed for me. I did flip flop Eastern Washington and South Dakota State, but uh, yeah, my my bottom. Um, is what actually changed the seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth positions. So, right. and, and again, uh, that Cal Poly is definitely one of those uh, schools I'm watching. Cool, um, Dakota. I think you kind of already explained your logic, but was there anything that you wanted to add on to your top ten before we moved on? Uh, <clears throat> not really. Um, the only reason I chose not to put McNeese in is. Same reason, you know, Jack, Jacksonville State struggled with Austin Peay. They were able to pull away at the end. You know, McNeese defeated Stephen F. Austin by three at home, I believe it was. So, they only managed 17 seven. points. So, oh, was it seven? Last time I saw it, yeah. three. They must have scored more. I've, uh, I've said basically everything else. So, Wofford, you know, I, I have higher than most of y'all, I think. I don't think they've done anything to be lower than seven or eight. Um, Elon, out of the top ten teams, Elon was the team that surprised me the most. I really didn't have them. I didn't really think of them as serious as I did. And even though New Hampshire is beaten up, they, you know, to just do what they did is impressive to me, and that's why I catapult them up in front of especially Jacksonville State. Sure. Okay, cool. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to bemoan any more of our top ten since they basically are pretty much the same. And, you know, I kind of feel the same way about McNeese. And knowing Stephen F. Austin very well, having been there a couple times, I know a lot of people in their band and their football program. And those are the type of games that are really going to screw the Southland over if one of those top teams slip up because there's no excuse for any of them to lose to SFA, even – uh, Sam Houston in a rivalry game. So we'll just leave it at that, and I'll uh, see what we got here for the stats poll. So we've got North Carolina, JMU, one and two, and then they actually kept South Dakota State at three, and they are a whole voting point above Kennesaw State. So we basically have a virtual tie for third between South Dakota State and Kennesaw State. At number three, then we have Eastern Washington at five. Seems like everybody has the same top five. Uh, then next we have Weber State, 6, Wofford, 7, Jacksonville State, 8, McNeese, 9, and Elon, 10. Again, everybody kind of has some variation of that. Um, 
except the stats folks seem to be waiting a little bit more on UC Davis than maybe some people on the FCS Fans Nations page. Uh, then we go to North Carolina A&T at 11, Nichols at 12, Stony Brook 13, Montana 14, and Illinois State 15. Um, no real surprises there for me. Uh, Illinois State, they, uh, you know, Missouri State seems to be the real deal, but that, that definitely looked like a hangover loss where Illinois State might have been a little too high on themselves after having an impressive FBS win the week before. So moving right along, at 16 we have UC Davis, 17 we have Sam Houston State, 18 Rhode Island, 19 Villanova, and 20 Central Arkansas. I'll just save my thoughts until after I read the poll. Uh, <laughs> 21, I have Tolgate, Colgate, uh, 22, uh, Northern Iowa, 23,000, 24, Missouri State, and sneaking in at 25, we have Maine. And I'll read off the other five that received votes. That would be Chattanooga, or received top votes, excuse me. That would be Chattanooga, East Tennessee State, Princeton, South Dakota, and Western Illinois. So we're going to reverse order here. Um, <clears throat> Dakota, what do you think, just uh, a little briefly from what you uh, just heard about the polls, that, or the yeah, the stats poll that we have right now? I don't have much of a problem with the top ten. I mean, it's about the same top ten as everyone else has, just different order. Um, it's really after that where things just kind of get mind-boggling. Like, you see Davis all the way back at 16. I think they've proven enough to be hanging around the top ten. I think teams like Montana and Stony Brook should be ahead of Nichols. I don't think Sam Houston's a top 17 team. And, you know, just there's some of these teams that are receiving votes that I think deserve to be in the top 25. They're just being held back by the name of the program that's in the top 25, like, honestly, you and I, Central Arkansas, Sam Houston State. Because those teams have yet to really impress me this season. Um, I'm not going to pick too much because it's only week five, and so this is obviously going to change. But just my opinion right now is from 12 to 25, there's – that's where the things start getting a little messy for me, at least. All righty. Uh, Jeff, what about you? What are what are your thoughts on what we have so far from stats? Well, I mean, I'm going to kind of agree with Dakota on, on some of the some of the things. Sam Houston State still at number 17, really? I mean, at top mm-hmm. 20, maybe, but not, no. And I thought Central Arkansas, 13 to 20, I thought that was a bit harsh. Um, you know, though, but looking down, I mean, again, Nichols has had an impressive year. Stony Brook had an impressive week this week. Montana uh, nicely rising up through the polls. Illinois State, no, no, you 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 lost to to Missouri State, and I I realize Missouri State now occupies that twenty fourth spot. But you know, would they have, would they have been in the top twenty five without that win with Illinois State? You never know. Um. You know, I just kind of look, you and I, again, I, I just, I, I agree with Dakota again. Here's a team that, again, they're only winning, I think, because, uh, or they're only in their top 25 because of cast. I don't think, I mean, they played an okay game with, with um, Montana, but they lost. You know, um, they, they, their their last win was a 33 nothing win against, Indiana State. I'm sorry, that should happen. 
you know, I, I don't care. That just should happen. Uh, I think I think it's midnight for uh, Indiana State, and I think uh, I think you know the coach is turning into a pumpkin. So that being said, you know I, I look forward to Chattanooga coming back into the poll. Um, East Tennessee State and Princeton, yeah, I think that they that they uh, I, I will not be surprised if they also ascend into the back up into the top twenty-five here. Uh, before too long, actually, East Tennessee State. I don't remember them being in the top twenty-five, so it kind of be nice to see them come up there. And and I think some of these other folks are gonna are gonna fall off. And if Maine loses this week, they'll probably uh, lose their spot to Chattanooga or East Tennessee State. Yep. And um, I'm actually just gonna slightly piggyback of, off of what you said about name recognition. Um, you know. Uh, for for me, especially especially when it comes to Sam Houston State, um, I don't think they should have been in the top 25 last week, and I surely don't think that they should have moved up because they lost a 14-point lead and needed a field goal to beat um, one of their conference teams at home when they were both and a blocked play- field goal and a blocked field goal from from Central Arkansas. I mean, come on, that, yeah, that so, this shouldn't have happened. Yeah. Um, so, so in my opinion, neither of them deserve to be in the top 25. And, again, this isn't me or any of us trying to hate on the Southland, but I'm watching a lot of FCS football this year. And whenever I turn on the Southland Conference, um, you know, I see, I've see i watched Big Sky football. I've watched uh, Missouri Valley football. I've watched CAA football, clearly. Those are, those are the top three. And then I watch Ivy League football, and I watch SoCon football. And I just see a lot more talent in just those five leagues alone. And, you know, clearly there isn't a lot of SOCON representation um, in this top 25 if, I mean, there ha- no. Is there a SOCON team in here? No. I don't see one. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's a, uh, I think that's a um, product of the Southland just beating, or uh, of the SOCON beating up on one another. Because I, th- I think if you pulled most people today, um, oh wait, I'm sorry. How how could we forget Wofford? Oh, oh yeah, that's true. Okay, so they have one all the way at the top, Wofford. But even outside of Wofford, I mean, most of us would probably take Chattanooga from what we've seen this year over Central Arkansas, at least. Um, I know I would take them on a neutral field. Um, so I mean, that's just one right off the back, and. You know, I'm kind of waiting on East Tennessee State because they have won, they've won their games, but they've all been by very slim margins. And that's what Elon did last year, and when the rubber hit the road, Elon got waxed by legitimate playoff teams, with the exception of Furman in the actual playoffs, but they still lost. So I'm, I'm with you, Dakota, on waiting on East Tennessee State. But still, I think that they're more deserving than both Central Arkansas and Sam Houston when it comes to um, being ranked in the top 25. And, again, that, that's right. not just because it's a Southland in name. It's, it's the football that I'm seeing, and it just doesn't look right. Um, I, so, you know, kind of on that note, um, oh, oh, no, wait, never mind, sorry. Um, Nichols, um, still kind of trying to figure out what's going on with them. Um, that McNeese loss, I think, really should – have had them down a little further because, yeah, Stony Brook and Montana have definitely looked more impressive than Nichols, in my opinion. And I would say UC Davis as well. But, again, um, 
that might be name recognition, you know, beating a uh, FBS school, um, Power 5 school, even if it is Kansas. They actually look like they're trying to play football this year. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that clearly has some weight. But, again, um, you know, just seeing some of the other teams and how they've played this year, I'm, I'm not quite sold on Nichols being a top 15 program per se. Now, they could start beating the brakes off of everybody from now on, and then we might be having a different conversation. I think they went 50 to 27 against Lamar last weekend. But, right. Um, I, I just, I just need to see, I need to see more from them before I start giving them such high, high praise. And, and other than that, I mean, I mean, that's, that's really where I'm going with this. And, and again, it kind of sounds like we're, we're, we're ragging on the Southland here, but you know, after McNeese, uh, is there really a team uh, that has? you know, kind of blown your doors off and you said, whoa, I I think they'd be top four in any other and one of the top three conferences. And I I just can't say that. Um, but, it, it you know, especially with Sam Houston, I think the only reason they're ranked 17th is name recognition and that's it, which, you know, we're all human. Um, it is what it is. But that's a real problem, and I think that we need to kind of get over that as poll voters if we're going to, you know, want these things to seem legitimate. And um, so, that being said, I also would like to uh, give a shout-out to Colgate from the Patriot League, number 21. They could possibly be going into their uh, last game of the year against Army at 9-0. If they beat Army, they could be poking at a a national seed, which would be ridiculous. I don't think it's going to happen, even though I think that they will be 9-1. They will still possibly be hosting the playoff game, which I think wouldn't have been on anybody's radar. So keep an eye out for Colgate and the Patriot League. Um, You don't have to pay attention to the Just check in and get one every week. Um, So do you guys have anything else to say? Because if not, we're going to move on to our game of the week. I think let's move on to our game of the week. Okay, awesome. So in case you don't know, our game of the week is Villanova at Maine, a CAA matchup. That is a part of a slew of games in the CAA that have playoff implications or a uh, top 25 matchup. So, Jeff, um, how about we start with you? What are you looking forward to seeing in this uh, matchup between Maine and Villanova? And uh, what sort of implications do you see going down the road in the playoffs? Well, I think there's, there's huge playoff implications in Maine versus Villanova. Of course, the game is up in Orono, and we'll see if Maine can uh, if Maine can go ahead and right the ship again. They, they they had an impressive start. I think that they can. Uh, I, I'm thinking that they can, if you want to consider it an upset, that they can pull the upset and possibly uh, you know pull this out on their home field, and then uh, you know possibly go into the playoffs from there. Now, I think Nova needs to win this because the way that the bowl has been, I mean, they were – Nova was 13th last week. They're, they don't get this game. I think that they're probably in trouble of dropping – I mean, Maine's already at 25th. I think Maine will probably, uh, you know, go, of course, above Villanova. But, again, I think then you, you might see Chattanooga or Princeton or somebody, you know, who's 
been getting high votes, but not quite there, you know, to to ascend into the top 25. So Mm -hmm. I I think that there's a lot of playoff implications here. I haven't looked at the weather forecast. I haven't really had enough time yet today to do my research on this game. Um, But I think at least at the outset, it's a must win for either team. Sure. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Jeff. Um, Dakota, um, what about you? What what are your thoughts on uh, this game this week between Maine and Villanova? Yeah, just going with what Jeff started to say, you know, this is a big conference game for both teams. Uh, Both these teams have FBS wins this season. Uh, Villanova had that, you know, season opener shocker, really, on the road against Temple in Philadelphia. And, you know, Maine defeated Western Kentucky and hung in with Central Michigan. And, you know, go back to, you know, season opener for both teams. I already said Villanova upset Temple. Maine really shocked everybody by just putting a pounding on, at the time, number seven, New Hampshire. Um, Maine's lost two straight since that game against Western Kentucky. So, you know, they want to get back on track at home against a top 25 opponent. Uh, Villanova needs to win more because for the simple fact that they are already sitting at 0-2 in the CAA. Um, They lost against Towson by 10, and then at Stony Brook last week by 2, and that heartbreaker. And you're not not, don't want to really look ahead too much, but then next week they play James Madison. So Hmm. Villanova really needs this win way more than Maine, in my opinion. It's on the road. You've lost two of your last three. Two of those have been in the conference. Maine sitting at one and zero in the conference. This is only their second um, conference game, first one since that season opener against New Hampshire. Um, it's going to be. I see it really being a close, competitive, probably low scoring game, but it's just going to be whoever wants it more. And uh, Maine's definitely got the advantage. Being Maine's not an easy place to play, really. Um, but if you're Villanova, you can't afford to go 0-3 in the conference because I think you know, if they lose this game, they're really out of playoff contention, in my opinion. Okay, Dakota. Uh, thank you for that rundown. So I'm actually going to, um, you know, I, I wrote an article earlier this week, and I said in my article, the loser of this game will not make the playoffs, mark my words. And I absolutely positively feel that way. You kind of already touched on it. You never want to look ahead in football. But after this week, Villanova has JMU coming to Philadelphia. And that Dukes team isn't going to come into Philadelphia and overlook Villanova just be, if they win or lose in Maine. Uh, JMU is going to come ready to play. And you already saw what they did to Richmond on the road. Um, so JMU is definitely not a team to overlook. Um, but, you know, even more interesting after that, is, you know, if they win this game and let's say they lose to JMU, they have New Hampshire and Richmond after that. And, yes, New Hampshire and Richmond are down, but those are two very, very proud, very storied CAA programs, and they're not just going to lay down and let Villanova come in there and take them to a woodshed just because they're out of playoff contention. They are going to be spoiler-minded, and they are going to be playing hard. And Richmond might not be out of playoff contention then, even though I think that they're awful. Um, But they might not be out of playoff contention by then. So this is absolutely a must-win for Villanova, as you said. 
They're they're 0-2 in conference, and they really need a pick-me-up. Um, both teams have been trending downward, like you guys said. Um, Maine, I, I don't want to make excuses because we, we made, quote-unquote, excuses for um, New Hampshire and the fact that they've been missing their starting quarterback. But Maine's also missing their starting quarterback. Um, so their offense, it was never an electric or exciting offense, but it was an offense that could move the ball and eat up some clock and, you know, they wouldn't have to rely on their defense as heavily. I haven't heard anything about them having their starting quarterback back for this game, um, but if they don't, that that would definitely open this up potentially for Nova to, you know, come up and get the win up in Orna. So for me and Maine, th- this isn't a must-win game, but it's not like the schedule is going to be getting too much easier because, again, this is the CAA, so there are no easy games in this conference. Um, bear with me just one second. I want to look up the next uh, next opponents that Maine has after this. So, following Villanova, Maine has Rhode Island. Again, going to be a potential playoff game. Then they have William & Mary and Albany. They should win both those games. Albany and the Tribe are playing this week. I think they're playing for who's going to finish last in the conference. But, um, you know, Maine has two games that are very important and can do a lot for uh, um, playoff seeding because after that, then they have Towson, Richmond, and Elon. And, again, Richmond's not going to lay down, and those other two teams are definitely playoff contenders. So this is absolute must-win game for the Wildcats, but – Maine shouldn't come into this uh, contest thinking, well, you know, we can lose, we can not lose, it's whatever. Um, for me personally, uh, Villanova's defense has been a little suspect as of late. We're used to a Villanova defense where you don't really move the ball, you score about 21 points max, and if they get a big lead, you certainly don't see them give it up. And all of those things have already happened Uh Villanova gave up 45 points to, albeit a very potent Towson offense. Um, That's just something that we weren't expecting to see from uh, a Villanova defense that we've known over the years to be very, very stout. And then they gave up that 21-point lead to Stony Brook. Uh, I don't know what what the heck that was. Um, All I know is that that just, that's not the Villanova that I've known all my years watching the CAA, and the fact that they're doing that kind of makes me question what's going on up there. Um, You know, going 0-3 in the CAA is one thing, uh, but going 0-3 and then having JMU breathing down your neck the next week, uh, I don't think that I can overstate this enough, that this game is 1,000% must win for Villanova, and then, you know, it would behoove Maine to win this game as well. Because while they do get to dodge JMU and they do get to dodge Delaware, um, the rest of their season isn't exactly looking easy. And you hope that they have their starting quarterback back. But hopefully, um, you know, uh, he'll be back and Maine will be able to get back to the mold, to their old selves. But other than that, I'm really not going to, um, you know, hammer home this point. I would actually like to uh, – do a whip around for the games that we're looking forward to this week outside of our game of the week. So, Jeff, if you'd like to take it ahead, I know you have a lot of conferences on your hands since you're taking over for Adam, 
why don't you uh, let us know what you're looking out for in your neck of the woods? Sounds good. Um, just a second here. We're going to start in the big sky. Uh, Idaho and Idaho State is really the, the key week six matchup from the from the big sky. Eastern Washington, Weber State, Montana, and UC Davis are all playing trap games this week. They should all they should all be able to take care of business with with their schools. Uh, Kennesaw State should take care of Presbyterian in the Big South. Again, East Tennessee and Campbell are are playing teams that they should easily beat, so not too worried about those two schools. Uh, moving over to the Ivy League, Dartmouth goes to Yale. That that's a if, if anybody wants to, if either of those teams want to stay, you know, towards the top of the of the Ivy League, they need to win that game. And Harvard also needs a win at Cornell. Moving on to the Missouri Valley, the top 25 matchup with North Dakota State traveling to the Unidome to face Northern Iowa. Honestly, again, is there anything that's going to stop North, North Dakota State this week? I don't see it. Um, Missouri State's on the road. They're going to, they're going to, test out their, their legs there in the top 25 poll. They're going to South Dakota to take on the Yotes. The Redbirds uh, face the West, Western Illinois Leathernecks over in Normal. And South Dakota State will host the Sycamores this week. Moving on to the Northeast Conference, uh, Bryant goes to Pennsylvania to take on Duquesne. My other uh, important game in the Northeast Conference comes also from the state of Pennsylvania as Sacred Heart in-state folk pen. Let's go ahead to the Pioneer League. Butler travels to Drake in a battle of one-loss teams. 4-1 Davidson, though, goes to Jacksonville. And again, I remember I said that San Diego, they were my preseason uh, favorite to to win the conference. They're going to Moorhead State to, uh, to try and keep up with the leaders. And finally, in the Southland, uh, McNeese State hosts Abilene Christian. Uh, Stephen F. Austin, we're going to go ahead and put them in the discussion as well. They're going to Huntsville to take on Sam Houston State. Again, I think that that's a must-win for Sam Houston State if they want to even still be in playoff contention. And Nichols State hosts North Northwestern State in Thibodeau. And I think that that route covers all those seven conferences. All right. Awesome, Jeff. Uh, thank you for that. Dakota. What about your conferences? What are you looking forward to this week? <clears throat> Let's see. Starting the Southern Conference. Where'd it go? We have Wofford traveling to Chattanooga to take on the Mocs. Um, Chattanooga getting upset last week against East Tennessee State. This is their chance to rebound, hosting a top-10 team in the Wofford Terriers. Um I didn't have this in my notes, but I'm just going to throw it out there. East Tennessee State hosts Gardner-Webb in their homecoming. If the Buccaneers are for real, I want them to make a statement and blow out the Bulldogs for homecoming. And then I have – so I'm actually going to do all three because Southern Conference only has three games. And the other game is Western Carolina at Sanford. Sanford's been a big disappointment this season. The Bulldogs host the Catamounts. Just basically see who's going to be in the middle of the road in the Southern Conference. It's going to be, you know, they host Western Carolina. So it's going to be interesting to see if Sanford can get back into their winning ways. Jumping over to the Ohio Valley, Jacksonville State goes on the road to take on Eastern Kentucky. Big game for the Gamecocks. Last week, just not a good statement against Austin P. Now, I'm not putting down Austin P. because they 
were the second best team in the OVC last year. You know, but some people expected them to drop down a little bit, especially when they're coming off a 30-point loss to Tennessee Martin. You just got to show up better than that, especially on your home field. They travel to Richmond, Kentucky to take on the Colonels there. Um, we also got Murray State at Eastern Illinois. This is interesting. Both teams only have one win this season, and both teams got their first win last season. This yeah, this season last week rather. Both of their lone wins are OBC wins. Eastern Illinois defeated Tennessee Tech. Murray State defeated UT Martin. So Murray State goes on the road to Eastern Illinois. So that's going to be interesting to see. And then Tennessee State at Austin Peay. Tennessee State has looked like the definitive second place team in the OVC this season. You know they got that opening season win, huge win against Bethune Cookman, and then almost knocking off SCC Vanderbilt last week. They travel to Clarksville to take on the Governors, who have lost back-to-back games. Had a little bit of a heartbreaker last week. So it's going to be interesting to see if Tennessee State can stake their claim as the second-best OVC team or if Austin Peay's going to finally get over the hump and win another conference game. And then in the SWAC, not a lot to choose from, but we do have Alabama A&M versus Texas Southern. You know, I said last week, when Alabama A&M was playing Jackson State, Alabama A&M has actually been they, – they didn't have the wins to show it, but they were – you could tell they were improving um, because they had so many games that they were in against even like teams like Southern. They only lost by like two points, and then they they almost had North Alabama beat. Um, they're going to Houston, Texas to take on Texas Southern. That's going to be a good game. You know, Alabama A&M did get that win last week against Jackson State. And then we have Alabama State and Alcorn State. Alcorn State did get that win last week against Southern. So it's going to be interesting to see if Alcorn State's going to make that jump as the team in the East that's going to win the division. They sit at 2-0 and in the SWAC. They're 4-1 overall. So, you know, Alabama State needs a win to try and keep up for the East title. <clears throat> I think that was all I had for the SWAC. Yeah, that's all I had. The other games right. weren't really anything. Like I already told you, Oklahoma Panhandle State plays Grambling, and Mississippi Valley State plays Bethune Cookman. So, <laughs> all right, Dakota. Uh, thank you for uh, letting me know that. Uh, so, without further ado, I'm actually going to go to my games right now, and so. There are actually some really good games in two of my conferences, and in my the other conference, the Patriot League. I'm just going to throw this out there. Uh, we have Colgate at Bucknell, and basically the only reason why I put this game on there is because everybody needs to keep an eye on Colgate. They're undefeated, and they are looking to move up the polls in one of, if not the weakest conference in all of FCS football. Um, Bucknell actually won last week. They beat Holy Cross. So um, I don't think this Bucknell team is a bad team, but they're just not, um, you know, if they were in any other conference, they might not win a game, period. Um, for some perspective, they lost 49-7 to to Villanova. And William and Mary also beat this Bucknell team. But they have something going there, apparently, and maybe they're going to be the team that screws over Colgate, kind of like Lehigh did last year, because with that one conference lost, and if Bucknell went on to win the rest of their conference games, they'd beat Bucknell in the playoffs. 
So that, that's kind of where Colgate stands right now. They are the team in the Patriot League with the target on their back, and everybody's going to be trying to knock them off just to, you know, create some parity in that conference. But personally, I don't see it happening. Uh, Colgate looks to be a cut above the rest in the Patriot League, and I'll just leave it at that. Um, moving on to the MEAC, I, uh, I actually put down Mississippi Valley State at Bethune-Cookman. Um, and the reason I want to keep an eye out for this game is because Bethune-Cookman is uh, one of those teams that you think might challenge for the MEAC title this year. So let me tell you what the MEAC standings are according to ESPN right now. In first place, we have Norfolk State. Second place is Florida A&M. Third place is Howard. Fourth place is North Carolina A&T. And then fifth place is Bethune-Cookman. So that is to say that while this season is young, this isn't going to be one of those things where the rest of the conference just cannibalizes itself and North Carolina A&T beats everybody when they come into town or either that or they go to Greensboro because there are going to be some actual teams that are really going to challenge um, North Carolina A&T for the, um, for the MEAC title this year. So I'm going to be paying attention to this conference a lot more than I might have before. So that is to say that Bethune-Cookman really needs a good showing. Um, Dakota, you already mentioned that they got the break speed off of them by Tennessee State at the beginning of the year. And that, that was a shock to me because I, I don't think anybody knew that Tennessee State would be that good. But I also expected a little more from Bethune-Cookman. Since then, they've picked it up, uh, started to get some wins and whatnot. But th- this, this is going to be one of those games where it would be a real statement if Bethune-Cookman could come out and really put one on Missouri um, – Mississippi Valley State to say, hey, we're here. We're here to compete for the MEAC title. And uh, moving on, I have North Carolina A&T at Delaware State. Uh, Delaware State is absolutely no team to write home about, uh, for lack of a better term. They are god-awful. But that being said, uh, North Carolina A&T still has to get their groove back. They kind of did a little bit at the end of that rivalry game against South Carolina State. Um, but I'm looking for them to continue that motion. Um, Lamar Bernard looked like he woke up at the end of that game last week as well, finally getting some passing touchdowns and really slinging the ball around like we hadn't seen before. Delaware State is a game that they should win, but again, I'm not going to you know, say that anything is guaranteed because I don't think anybody had them losing to Morgan State. But I think that that game woke them up and made them realize that just because they're A&T doesn't mean the rest of the MEAC conference is going to lay down and just let them win. They really need to uh, come out, and again, kind of uh, along the same lines that the thing Cookman, come out and make a statement and say, hey, we're still the top dogs. We're still the team to beat. And moving on from that, I have Howard at North Carolina Central. Now, North Carolina Central last week got demolished by Florida A&M, as I mentioned, 55-14. to 14. That, was, that was the Rattlers coming out party. Howard has the opportunity to do the same thing. They're coming off of a bye week, and a lot of people, myself included, had Howard potentially going undefeated in the MEAC, um, competing with North Carolina A&T for that title. So this is, an, this is an opportunity for Howard to kind of take on a North Carolina Central team that over the past few years had really been neck and neck with North Carolina A&T, but seems to be a little down this year. But this is going to be an opportunity for Howard to go down um, oh, shoot, I forgot where North Carolina Central is. Oh, Durham. Durham, North Carolina. <laughs> going to go down to Durham. And th- this is really Howard's game where they, they, they should 
be looking to do something like up some points like 35 to 14. Um, Because, again, if they want to be seriously considered for what seems to be a more crowded MEAC than maybe we anticipated, these are the type of games that they're going to have to win. Um, And I'll just leave it at that. The most interesting game out of the MEAC this week, actually, for me, is Norfolk State at Florida A&M. As I said before, a lot of people like to be down on Norfolk State because, let's be honest, what most FCS fans know about them is they got the crap beat out of them by JMU last year, and after the first quarter this year, game got rained out, and Norfolk State said, nah, we're good. We'll take the 17 nothing loss after a quarter. Well, since then, they've won two games, uh, won a conference game, and Florida A&M was also a team that I think a lot of people were surprised when they lost to Jackson State. I think it was something like 17 to 15. It was a really, really funky scoreline. But as I mentioned before, these two teams are 2-0 and in conference and statistically sitting at the top of the MEAC. So this is, this is actually going to be a battle for first place. Now, me personally, I have a little more faith in FAMU. Um, I think that they've been a program that has been kind of dormant since they almost made the jump to the FBS level, and they haven't really recovered from, I guess, that letdown for some people in the program, and I think that a lot of MEAC teams have been taking it out on them. I think some recruiting has excuse me, hit a snag as well, so it looks like FAMU is finally picking up that uh, that momentum. And with all of that being said, though, you know, looking at the MEAC, uh, I think Right now, I would probably say that it's Florida A&M, Florida A&M Howard, and North Carolina A&T. That would be my three teams to really, really look out for going down the road to competing for the MEAC title in the Celebration Bowl. And if a team like Howard or North Carolina A&T goes undefeated in conference play, which they can because they don't play each other, one of those teams could possibly, and I think in my opinion, should have an at-large bid into the playoffs. So that's just something to keep an eye out for. Moving on to the CAA, I will briefly touch on Maine at Nova since that's our game of the week. We already mentioned it. I I think that this is an elimination game for each of these teams, Um, and I feel very strongly about this. Loser of that game, they are out of the playoff picture, and I will just leave it at that. Next up on my slate, I have Delaware at Richmond, which has been uh, dubbed the Rocco Bowl by uh, fans of JMU. So in case you did not know, Danny Rocco, uh, Delaware's new head coach, was actually a former head coach at the University of Richmond um, right after uh, or a couple of years after they won their national championship. And he had a few good years with them, um, not to air Richmond's dirty laundry or anything, but to make a long story short, he left because they weren't taking their football program seriously enough. They, they weren't giving him the funding to keep them nationally viable which, again, uh, you know, I keep asking what's wrong with Richmond. I think that it's just that their uh, – looks like their their administration has just given up on the football program, which, again, is really sad. But anyway, we've, we call this the Rocco Bowl. Um, and kind of getting into the actual football itself, Delaware is kind of licking its wounds after an early conference loss to a surprising Rhode Island team and then really getting manhandled by NDSU, which – Let's be real. Everybody gets manhandled by NDSU, seems like, except for JMU and uh, South Dakota State as of late. But I think Delaware had a little more that they were probably looking for this year. I still think they have a very good defense, but 
what I said at the beginning of the year was if Delaware finds a competent quarterback, they could be a CAA contender. They don't seem to have competent quarterback play. Um, can't think of the name of the uh, the gentleman that plays quarterback for them right now, but of the games that I've seen him in, he, he just seems slow. I don't see a lot of uh, speed in his arm. I, I, I just have been very underwhelmed with the quarterback play from them. And, and their running backs are pretty good. They're not JMU running backs or Elon running backs or even uh, Stony Brook running backs, but they're pretty good running backs. It's just, I, I really think that Delaware needs to find that uh, – that quarterback that is going to take them to the next level because I think that's what they're missing. Um, But they don't have Joe Flacco walking through the door anytime soon, so I guess they'll keep on looking. As for Richmond, um, I mean, there's only so much that you can say after getting beat down by a rival 63-10. to Um, At this point, Richmond is purely playing for pride because I think that they are going to go up against other uh, playoff-bound teams in the CAA and lose even though Richmond is technically not out of the playoff race yet in the CAA, if they lose this game, they would go 0-3, which essentially would eliminate them so early in the season. Uh, Delaware has the opportunity to bounce back and become 1-1, and I honestly would go with Delaware on this, uh, even though they are going to be traveling. They're coming off of a bye week, and Richmond is really, really, really down after um, what JU did to them down in Richmond last week. So while this isn't a game between top 25 foes, uh, Delaware has playoff aspirations, and Richmond for sure has spoilers on the mind. And if Richmond keeps up that spoiler mentality, they might spoil themselves into sneaking into the playoffs. But again, I just don't see it happening because that Richmond team is as bad as Jamie showed them to be in the 63-10 to loss. And with that, I'm actually going to move on to Elon at James Madison. Uh, this is probably everybody else's game of the week besides ours because this is a game between top ten teams. I think everybody has Elon at least at number ten in their polls, and if they're not at number ten, they're floating around that eight or nine spot, and clearly they're going to be going in against number two, James Madison. Now, the thing that really sticks out for me on this game is Elon does not throw the ball a lot. Uh, their quarterback, Davis Cheek, is very, very good but they much prefer to rely on their running game. And when Elon relies on their running game and they get their uh, offensive line to push around the defense, that's when they are absolutely at their best because then they will surprise you with the passing attack and kind of catch you off guard. So I think the key to this game uh, for JMU and Elon will be uh, JMU's defensive line, those uh, that front four and their linebackers versus Elon's – versus Elon's offensive line and uh, JMU being able to not only hit the running back right off the right out of the gate, but also holding him. Uh, unfortunately, I can't think of his name, but I remember his stats. The dude is like 5'9 and 201 pounds, so he is just a boulder running downhill, and he's very, very hard to stop. He likes to get his 100-yard games and then some, so I think that's really where you're going to see the bulk of this game being won or lost. Uh, that being said, Elon has a adequate um, passing defense. I think they're middle of the pack in the CAA. But there are going to be opportunities for JMU to use their three-headed rushing attack and really you know, create some holes and run up and down on the Phoenix. Uh, it, it might be one of those things 
where what, what JMU has done basically these last two uh, CAA games against state rivals is the first half has been, I won't say messy, but not JMU really coming in and putting it on. Um, and I say that as they were up 35-10 to 10 on Richmond at halftime. But it has been in the third quarter where James Madison has just put teams to sleep. Um, I wish that I could pull up the exact stat right now, but, um, you know, against Richmond last week they scored 14 points in about five minutes um, off of two turnovers. And in the William & Mary game, I think that they put up 24 or 28 points in the third quarter. So it's really been the third quarter where the Dukes have been breaking teams open because of halftime adjustments. And I, I honestly think that they're just weighing heavily on these other FCS slash CAA teams. Um, I don't know if it's great conditioning or maybe it's just the recruits that we have, but JMU is really, really putting it on teams in the second half in the FCS. Now, something that is in Elon's favor is this is a family weekend game. And while the crowd is sold out for family weekend, it is often a, let's just call it, less than rowdy crowd. Um, some of the students might not want to be as rambunctious as they might be otherwise when they're around their parents, and parents don't always get into the game like we would want them to. So it might not be the most hostile JMU atmosphere. I hope I am proven wrong. But that is definitely something that doesn't bode well for uh, well, not, I won't say it doesn't bode well for JMU, but maybe an extra feather in Elon's pocket. Now, with all that being said, I I really don't see this game being super, super close. I've said on the page 35-17 is kind of what I'm looking for with JMU kind of busting it open in the second half. Um, teams just don't score 20 points against the Dukes. Weber has, and North Carolina State has, and then other than that, I don't think any other team has in the past two years. Um, so scoring 17 is scoring a lot of points against the Dukes, but I just don't see Elon being able to stop the running game. And I haven't even talked about Ben DiNucci, who is completing 75% of his passes in JMU's second-leading rusher as their quarterback, which just goes to say that we ha they have an extremely balanced rushing attack. And their wide receiver core is you know, clicking on all cylinders, and, of course, there's Jimmy Moreland, who's likely to have a pick six. So with all that being said, I, I see JMU winning this game, but it's, it's going to be a game where they're going to be tested a little more than uh, maybe some Dukes fans think. The odds makers have it at 37 points, the spread. I think they're nuts. I just do. I'd love to be proven wrong, but 37 points just seems ridiculous to me. And for my final CAA game, um, I have Stony Brook at Towson, and this is actually a game where I don't think any of us before the uh, beginning of the year had this being a game to watch. But both of these teams are now undefeated in conference. Uh, both are sitting in, sitting pretty in the top 25. Um, Stony Brook is going to be bringing in probably the best defense that Towson has faced up to date. And Towson will be the best offense that Stony Brook has faced. So, that's really going to be where this game is won. Um, nobody seems to be able to stop Towson. I think Stony Brook will slow them down. Um, Tom Flacco is a dual-threat quarterback from Towson, and he really did wake up what was a dormant offense the year before. They were averaging 17 points a game last year, and now they're averaging 34. He's running and throwing all over the place, and again, he's, he's a little 
um, turnover prone, which doesn't bode well for him, uh, especially down the road. But I really do think that he's a dynamic player, and it's going to be on Stony Brook to try to stop him because if you can contain him, you you, you have a very, very good shot of beating Towson. And as for uh, Towson's defense, it's really not that great. Uh, If you can get their offense off the field, and keep Towson's defense on the field, I think that you can score a lot of points on them, kind of the same way that I feel about Rhode Island in that sense. So I would look for um, I would look for Stony Brook to really try and methodically push their way down the field with Towson, with their, uh, with their dual running backs. And Joe Carbone, to his credit, I think a lot of us who have been watching the CAA had been down on him over the past year or so. And he just kind of hasn't really been that good, but he kind of had a, he had a coming out party against Villanova. Had three touchdown passes, and I think he had 300 yards passing. Um, he finally woke up, and if he can continue to do that, this could be a totally new Stony Brook team, and maybe somebody that actually challenges James Madison for uh, for the conference title. Um, I'm not really sure where to go in this game. I think I would probably lean slightly towards Towson because I think that they're just going to be too offensively efficient, and I'm still not completely sold on Stony Brook's um, Stony Brook's offense. And with that being said, I'm just going to mention uh, the Governor's Cup between Maine and Rhode Island. Or I'm sorry, um, between Rhode Island and Brown. Um, Brown is down this year. <clears throat> sorry, um, Brown is down, um, and Rhode Island is certainly up. And if Rhode Island's uh, quarter uh, Starting quarterback Jawan Lawson can play for this game. I don't anticipate it, anticipate it being close, but this is a rivalry that Brown has won, uh, I think, about two-thirds or uh, 75% of the games. So um, it'll be interesting to watch and see what Rhode Island does because this is definitely a rivalry game, and it's one of those games where, you know, if Rhode Island wins this, I believe they'll be 4-1, and one, and kind of that would be a really nice feather in their cap to go into CAA play. And with that, I am going to shut up because I felt like I talked for 30 minutes there. Hopefully everybody's still awake. Um, (laughs) So I think with that, we are going to – no, actually, before we do that, is there anything that anybody wants to get off their chest or maybe something they've been thinking about this year um, that's kind of been, you know, either bugging them or they've been really surprised about that we've seen out of FCS? Um, I don't want it to be too much of a free-for-all, but Jeff Ward, Dakota, um, has there been something this you guys have seen that you've just been like, what's going on here? I'll let Jeff go first if he wants to. I know I just threw you guys a curveball. I mean, I guess I'll. Um, I don't want to throw too much hate out there, but as y'all know, when I went to the Jacksonville State game this past weekend, it was a um, thing that bothered me was start of the game, game kicks off, the student section was was full, and they have a pretty big student section at JSU, but it was packed, and they were loud. Halftime rolls around. It's a two-point game. Two-point game at halftime. Third quarter kicks off. More than half of the students have already left. Fourth quarter rolls around. Still a two-point game. 
even more students had left. The student section was down to the first two rows were filled, and then everybody else just scattered around. And then first three quarters of the game, I thought I was at a funeral. Crowd was quiet, and then you make any bit of noise, they turn around and look at you like you're crazy, like, why are you cheering at a football game? But then the fourth quarter started. They started getting a little louder. And lo and behold, the football team started scoring more points. I'm not saying that had a direct influence, but it just seemed like the football team picked up their energy when the home crowd picked up theirs. And I just think if to be a, to take advantage of a home field like Burgess Snowfield, where Alabama doesn't have any professional teams, you all, that's all you have is college sports, I think the crowd needs to do a better job at Given the football team a certain energy to play off with, to let other teams know that hey, we're going to a hostile environment this week. That's really my big. That's the big pet beat I had last week in my experience at Burgess Snow in Jacksonville, Alabama. Well, I'll agree. Am I still on mute here? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. So I'll agree with with Dakota on that. And not that I was at your your football game there in Jacksonville State, but man, you can always tell the difference between when a team is, you know, into the game and then when they're not into the game. And unfortunately, if they're not into the game, there's no home field advantage anymore. I mean, it's still a, a 120 yard long field, and the, and the goalposts are you know, X number of feet wide, and you're both playing with the same goalpost, you're both playing into the same wind, whatever the case may be. You know, the, the, I'll agree with you about the fact that if you don't have that energy, you you lose a lot, especially in your home field advantage. I And I've seen that in Western games in the past, uh, especially those years where we've had a, you know, kind of a, a – I wouldn't say a mediocre football team, but we've not had the you know the the team that's led the the conference for a number of years. But you know, w- when we get into a game, I think the Leathernecks you know benefit from that energy. Otherwise, no, this is not a good time. And yeah, I think like Adam will see that in a couple of weeks when he goes over to Macomb for uh, NDSU when they come when they come to Illinois. Uh, that's that's just good luck. You know, they may be in it for a period or for a quarter or two, but when it comes down to it, you know, by the fourth quarter, Western fans are probably going to be sitting there going, when will this end? So I feel bad for them on that. But then again, it is the top team in the nation. This is what, this is what you're going to come – you know what? What everybody wants to see. So, I will agree with you on that. On that, one hundred percent, Dakota. Uh, you know, honestly, for, but though from what I was, uh, you know, surprised with so far this year, and and it continues to surprise me. And, and Preston, you're probably going to agree. This is not how I figured the the Colonial was going to go. Uh, it's just been completely topsy-turvy other than, of course, JMU. I, everything hmm. else has been, holy cats, where did this, where did Maine come from? Where does, you know, where where did New, New Hampshire go? You know, you never know who's going to win that from week to week. And now here we've, you know, we've talked about how Maine has had a couple off of weeks and 
this is really a playoff game for Nova and for and for Maine and Orono. So, I mean, you never know how this this league is going to go from week to week. And I I love the parity, but at the same point, definitely not how I saw at least uh, the Colonial going this year. So I will actually directly pick up that particular. Um, oh, I can't think of the name of it. Um, baton. <laughs> I'll take that baton and run with it from you. I will. Um, there have been two conferences uh, that have, well, three actually. Um, the MEAC, uh, I, I didn't really see Florida A&M or Norfolk State. Now, granted, they're only 2-0, and very beginning of the year. Um, I thought they'd be middle of the pack. So the fact that they're up there actually surprises me. The SOCON, I actually think, is the most topsy-turvy conference, uh, personally, um, because... Sanford second to last in East Tennessee State is up top. Again, it's early, but I don't think anybody saw that. But the the, the bigger talking point out of those two conferences is the CAA, and we're absolutely right. In my preseason predictions, you know, I was going back and forth. I, I thought that New Hampshire had a legitimate shot of knocking off JMU. New Hampshire is last with no wins. Second to last is Richmond. And 10th is Villanova in conference rankings. If you told me that that is what we were going to have going into week six, I would have laughed in your face and sent you to the loony bin. Especially if you told me that Stony Brook, Rhode Island, Elon, and Towson were going to be the teams right behind JMU, and all of them were undefeated in conference. So the Colonial is an absolute... I mean, it's great um, for those teams like Stony Brook and like Elon who are trying to establish themselves and kind of have established themselves. It's great for Rhode Island and Towson who are longtime CAA A-10 teams. That you know, Towson's had its moments. I mean, it waited to the national championship a few years ago. Rhode Island used to be good um, a little bit ago. And it's good for those teams to finally get some momentum. But, man. Like, Richmond has just completely fallen off the map. And it's not that Villanova's been bad. They're just losing their CAA games. And you can't lose too many of those games that you need to win in this conference. And I know that sounds really cliche, but you would expect them to have at least split the games between Stony Brook and Towson. And here they are sitting at 0-2. So, you know, we're going to see a completely new crop of CAA teams coming into the playoffs. And, you know, hopefully iron sharpens iron because as much as I love my JMU Dukes, I don't want us to be the only team carrying the uh, the CAA flag to the semifinals or to the national championship game and everybody else losing in the first round. And, you know, going off of that crowd thing, I don't I don't want to jump on the, uh, hey, you kids, get off my lawn bandwagon too, too much because, um, you know, I understand that things change and the way that we view things change and whatnot. But it's not just FCS schools that are having um, – I don't want to say issues, but uh, kids just aren't staying at the football games like they used to. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard this, but Nick Saban been ripped Alabama fan, Al, the Alabama student section. How empty their um, their student section was at the end of their games. Um, and I mean, you could see it. And granted, you know, you, you kind of have to fault Alabama a little bit because they're playing teams like Louisiana Lafayette, which you know, I don't want to sound like Paul Feinbaum or anything, but that's a school that Alabama shouldn't be scheduling. 
you know, it's one thing if LSU schedules them, but Alabama mm-hmm. shouldn't be scheduled school. And that's kind of the same thing, same way that I feel about JMU in a school like Gardner-Webb. Really shouldn't be scheduling Gardner-Webb unless they absolutely have to. And sometimes you absolutely have to because you have to fill your schedule. But you also have to realize, like I don't think I would ever hear Coach Houston say, I can't believe the students weren't there at the uh, end of the Gardner-Webb game to see us score that uh, touchdown to make it 73-7. to I think most people are understanding that when you're blowing out a team that badly and you have absolutely no interest, you just leave. Now, I actually do think that if we were blowing out Richmond that badly because it's a rival, and I'm sure that you guys probably have the same thing, where if you're playing a rival, stadium usually mm-hmm. stays pretty especially if you're the team beating down that rival. Um, but I think it's, I think it really is a bunch of, it's, it's a lot of things. Um, Football games aren't baseball games. They're a lot more exciting. But if they're boring, um, kids have these little things in their in their hands and in their pockets and their cell phones, and, you know, they get a text from somebody saying, hey, we're hanging out at XYZ's house. We have beer. Woohoo! Let's uh, go hang out and watch uh, some games on TV. Sometimes that's a little better than standing out in the sun and uh, watching your team beat up on a school that you don't care about by 50. Now, Dakota, in your case, that that is a, that is a little shocking to me, because Austin P is a rival of yours, um, if I understand correctly, and that was a good game going into the fourth quarter. Like that game was not in hand. I, I will I will give um, you know JMU students especially credit that they're not going to leave if the game's close. Um, so I understand where you're coming from, but it's it's a trend that we're seeing across college football, and. I don't know exactly how to change it. I'm sure that there are ways where you can change the the experience for students to uh, make it more enticing. But I think what it really boils down to, especially out of conference play, is you need to schedule better games. Um, now, I know you, you guys were talking about in-conference games, and, Jeff, even your situation was a little interesting because that game was just really, really long. I was watching updates on, on oh, that yeah. game, and I was, like, I was like, man, this game needs to be <laughs> – I, I think I uh, – switched it off like you guys were up 48 to 28 or something like that and I was like okay cool it's over I checked back 30 minutes later that game's still going on like right. that was just a really really long game so I understand well that. and they just couldn't put it away and and I and then granted in Macomb this weekend we had some weather issues during the game you know okay are we going to get rained on here it's 59 degrees do we want to get rained on no I would have been I would have been hightailing it back to, to wherever I needed to go, you know. So that I can understand. But it's those games where, again, as you say, it's sunny. It's, you know, it's warm. It's a good day to be sitting out just enjoying some football. And where's the students? You know, and, and nothing against them, but also in Macomb. I see, what, I see where you're going here. You know, you've got your friends. They've, you know, they're inviting you to the game. You know, okay, uh, I'm not saying how many years ago, but it's it's, it's getting up there. Um, you know, we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I forget about that part. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. no, no I know no, you guys no. didn't have cell phones. Period. But I'm talking about when I was yeah. in college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Back in back in that day, you know, if you had a cell phone, it was called a brick. You know. Yeah. <laughs> And and this is definitely one of those things where, you know, we could go off on a generational rant and about the pluses and minuses 
of cell phones. But I, I do genuinely think that it is a kind of a generational shift, um, which, if the football uh, powers that be are smart, they will you know take heed, and um, I think that we'll start to see it more in the FCS. Um, especially when conferences start to shift around again in a few years. But I do think that you're going to see teams schedule better games. Um, but, again, that's hard for a top-level team like a JMU, NDSU, SDSU, um, Eastern Washington, Jacksonville State, um, because teams don't want to – like, for example, Walford doesn't want to come to play JMU at the beginning of the year and have that as a loss. So it is a little hard to get some, some good games. But but I think that schools are just going to have to try a little harder um, just to make the, the, the in-game experience more enticing. Um, again, not to get on the point too much. I'm sorry? I'll agree with you on that. But but, but in, in Western's case, okay, first of all, and nothing against the Colonial or nothing against the Big Sky, but we're in the Missouri Valley. We get the good talent to come in year in and year out. I mean, we get the – Every couple of years, you're getting North Dakota State. South Dakota State comes to Macomb. You know, Illinois State comes over. Or, hey, we could go, you know, over to normal. It's a two-hour ride on a bad mm-hmm. day. You know, that's that's on that day where you catch the stoplight in Havana and, 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 you, and you go, oh, man, maybe I should go stop over here to see if I can get something to drink on the way. You know, I mean, that's, that's what you're looking at as you're as – you're, you know, looking at football in Macomb, we uh, non-conference. It's hard for us to get good schools to come to see us. They just don't want to come to Macomb. It's it, if you've looked at a map, we're not in a fun place to go visit. You know, for me, it's it's three hours, and once you get south of the Quad Cities, there's nothing there. Hmm. Yeah, you're you're traveling. You're traveling through through Cornlands all the way down, and uh, especially this year, you know, it, it, it seems like you're. You, we had to travel to to go to the good games. We they, the good games weren't coming to us. So you know, I think that that's a non conference. That that's a big big deal. In fact, actually, we we weren't in Macomb until the third week of the season. So and then that was thank goodness against Montana. Who understands what it's like to have to travel to a to a difficult football game? They don't care, you know. People have mm-hmm. to travel to both of them. So yeah, you know yeah. that that's my thing though. I mean, we we have the good talent coming to Macomb. You know, I, I'd love to see a Colonial team come to, to come to Macomb. I don't remember very many. You know, you don't see a like a Villanova or a Maine coming over to Macomb because we just we never see them come over. But that would be a fun school to you know see to see come and face a Missouri Valley school. Yeah, and yeah. and I think that that's yeah. what you're what you need over the next couple of years. Because um, again, I know JMU fans, and they were really really pissed about Norfolk State in the first place, and then the fact that we didn't get to play the game. But that wasn't about the football game; that was about recruiting. Um, but but fans fans are starting to voice their opinions, and I think. Uh, what students are doing, even if they don't mean to, is they're they're voting by not staying for these games. So I think up and down college football, they're going to have to, uh, you know, kind of reassess. Okay, and, and I know that for especially for a lot of FCS schools, it might not be the destination that you want to go to, but 
for the sake of playing good games and for the sake of playing games that you're going to be engaged in. Like, for example, you know, a home-and-home home with Villanova in Western Illinois. People are going to watch that, and people are going to want mm-hmm. to go to that. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm definitely with you. Um, so with that, I think we've uh, actually chewed up enough time with our uh, Hey You Kids Get Off of Our Lawn segment of the uh, radio show. That's what we should call it. Um, so without further ado, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I I'm gonna. Like that. that. That would be a good good call. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll run it by Adam, see how he feels about it. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's go to our pick'em games. Um, Dakota, um, do you have a couple of games that you think would be interesting for us to kind of talk through and uh, see who we think will win? <clears throat> oh, start by the way, out. Guys, uh, looking back to looking back to last week, you guys picked five games. Um, Preston, you had three. Dakota and I had four games right, and the person who's not here, Adam, had five games right this week. So uh, I'll try to, to to finish off. I was while I was working here uh, tonight. I was trying to finish off the rest of the season. And uh yeah, we'll we'll see how how people are doing there from week to week. How's that? Okay, that sounds good to me. Cool. Okay. So, uh Dakota, uh what games would you like to toss in for the pickem? I'm going to start with a little rivalry game. Um Idaho State versus Idaho. Idaho State is expecting their first sellout game in over 30 years. They haven't sold out a game since 1984 when they hosted Boise State for homecoming. Um, it's the first time these two teams have met since, what was like, uh I just had the date and I lost it. It was like the 19, like 1997. Um, they've already, they only have like 1,700 tickets left and they expect to sell those by Friday afternoon. You know, Idaho State has two wins this season. Idaho, have they, I don't think they've won yet, have they? No, they did beat Portland. Did they play Portland State last week? They did win. Um, Idaho State just had their schedule up. Where did it go? Well, I, I just breezed. I was, uh, just was scrolling down. I saw that Idaho State was getting their first sale. So I started looking at it, and I looked at Idaho State. Yeah, they have they wins over North Dakota and Northern Arizona last week. So and then they're expecting the first set out in over thirty years against rival Idaho. So I think that's a good icebreaker game to get. I, I think Idaho State will defeat Idaho though. Idaho has not been really impressive to me. Squeaked by Portland State, who we all know is not very impressive as well. Idaho State got really shocking, not really shocking, but good kind of Northern Arizona has been, but really surprising win over Northern Arizona last week and then defeated North Dakota two two weeks ago, and held their own with Pac-12 Cal. They only lost by three possessions, which I say only three possessions. That's really good to take on a team like California. It's a nice little middle-of-the-road FBS team in a Power 5 conference, so I think Idaho State is going to prevail over Idaho. I tend to agree with you on that. I think think you look at just past competition from this year, Idaho State – has had, I think they actually have two wins. I don't know why I want to say that. But 
I think Idaho State has the better record, and also they've had the better competition. I'm going Idaho State as well. Well, I hate to make this a clean sweep, but I I haven't seen anything from Idaho that makes me think that they um, are going to win this game either. Um, I, I've been very underwhelmed, especially since they're – now, granted, this was their football players, but they were trying to come in with all this moxie and say they were going to go straight for the national championship and all that stuff. And they might be the second – biggest buzzkill to come out of the big sky other than northern Arizona. Now, granted, northern Arizona has had some injuries, but if they're as good as they said they were, they should be able to overcome those in, um, injuries. So I'm going to go with uh, Idaho State as well, uh, so that makes it a clean sweep for us, and maybe Adam will go the other way. So, uh, Jeff, what's a game that's jumped out to you? You know what? Oh, geez. I think um, let's see. Which ones of my games do I want to go with? I am. Hmm. I'm having more fun with my computer. It's been a bad week for the computer. Um, trying to minimize things. You know, hmm. there were a few games that I I liked. Actually, Idaho State and Idaho were uh, was one of my games. Uh, a lot of the teams were in trap games. I I would like to throw out though, Dartmouth going to Yale. I think nice. this is a. I think, yeah, I think this is going to be one of those fun games. Dartmouth, I don't believe has lost yet. Yale, yeah, I mean this is this is definitely a game that uh, that that you're looking here for. Who wants to stay relevant in the in the Ivy League and. Yeah, I think I'm going with Yale on this one. All right, Dakota, what about you? <clears throat> I also have this game circled. That's actually the next game I had uh, picked if it came back to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Friday Night Lights on national TVs on ESPNU. Dartmouth has been pretty impressive. They could be kind of an under-the-radar Ivy League team. They're undefeated this season. They've won four of their last five road games dating back to last season. They've got a nice little quarterback, Derek Kyler. He's, you know, he's completed 75% of his passes, just under 700 yards, seven touchdowns. And their defense is only allowing nine points a game. Now, I don't think they've faced the competition that Yale brings. And it's at Yale, then New Haven. I probably should go Yale, but I, 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 I'm going to get the nod to Dartmouth. I think Dartmouth has the power. If their defense can come to play and slow down the Yale offense, I think Dartmouth has a great chance to pull what I would consider an upset, even though they are the undefeated team. Okay. Um, Awesome. So I actually – I'm definitely going to be watching this game tomorrow, and I'm I'm very interested to see what's going to happen because I haven't seen Dartmouth play this year, um, and I've heard good things about Yale. So, you know – I I don't think that this is too much of going out on a limb or anything, but I'm actually I'm, I'm going to go with Yale. Um, I I just think that they've kind of found their groove after a very very surprising loss to Holy Cross. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Um, so I, I will go with Yale on that one. And uh, for one of my games, I think we'll have time to do one more round after this. I am going with the Rocco Bowl, uh, Delaware at Richmond. 
again, I, I kind of went over what's at stake for both teams. And, and something that I didn't mention for Richmond, I honestly think that they might be playing for their coach's job. Um, Richmond doesn't take too kindly to losing to their rivals, um, and they especially don't take too kindly to losing to JMU. And the way that they were manhandled on their home turf by the Dukes last week was just, for lack of a better word, pathetic. So I think that if those players love that co- love the coach at Richmond, they're going to be playing for his job this year because it is it is just not pretty over there. That being said, though, I think Delaware is playing for um, playoff positioning and trying to get back in the playoffs slash CAA hunt. So I'll take Delaware, but I think that it's going to be a very, very good game, very close game, especially if Richmond can complete their uh, red zone opportunities. So, uh, Jeff, what do you think about Delaware versus Richmond? Well, I agree. You know, Richmond has underwhelmed for the last few weeks. Um, I, Delaware, I still, you know, they face some some good talent this year. Uh, I'm I'm just going to lean towards Delaware as well. Um, I I just calling it a gut feeling because Delaware really hasn't impressed me yet either. But I think that they've got more potential to impress than than uh, than Richmond. So. I don't care if they're playing for somebody's job or not. I don't think that the football team's going to hold up. I think it's going to be the Blue Hens. All right. And then to Dakota. Yeah, just to make it short and sweet, I agree. Delaware, Richmond hasn't given me anything this season to really believe that they can compete with even just the middle of the road colonial team. So I think Delaware is going to win this game by multiple possessions. Okay. Wonderful. So let's do one more round. Uh, Jeff, do you have one more game that you'd like to look out for us? I, I do, and we're going to turn to the Pioneer League. Uh, you know, everybody's right now facing, uh, you know, trying to to, uh, to go against Davidson. Butler and Drake are a battle of one-loss teams. Uh, whoever wants to try and face Davidson, again, the only the only playoff team is going to be the leader at the end of the season. So, uh, Butler and Drake is my uh, my next round, and honestly, I'm going to go Butler on the and the road win here. Again, I go a lot by my gut. It's a, it's big. It's got plenty of room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll I'll go next. Um, you know, to be completely honest, outside of Drake playing Montana kind of close ish. And Butler beating Youngstown State, I haven't really been paying much attention to these teams. Uh, I think maybe I should a little more. That's probably the only conference that I haven't been paying attention to. But it's the pioneer. Being... Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I know, I know. But but I feel bad. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to go with Butler too, though. Um, even if it is a down Youngstown State team, that's kind of like how Colgate went into uh, New Hampshire and beat New Hampshire. Anytime you can do that against one of those big three schools, even in the down year, that's a big deal. So I'm going to go with Butler as well. I'm going to go different. I'm going to go Drake at home. Um, I feel like they have just a more potent offense just from looking at what they've done this season. Butler has really struggled to score at times, even against smaller competition like, you know, D2 Taylor and then Moorhead State last week. 
you know, their real test this season. They played they played Youngstown State and they did beat Youngstown State by two, but then they just got walloped by Princeton. I'm I'm gonna go Drake at home. All right. Okay. Um Dakota, do you have one more game of the week or one more pick 'em that you'd like to look at? Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna go to the SoCon and we're gonna do Wofford at Chattanooga. Ooh. Um, big game for both teams. Wofford trying to keep their, you know, top ten ranking. Chattanooga getting a little, you know, caught sleeping last week against East Tennessee State. You know, just looking at that East Tennessee State game, they got yardage. Their quarterback had 272 yards. He he, he attempted 56 um, passes. Now, I know that's how usually how Chattanooga's offense has been last few seasons, but they really got to find a run game. Um, they were held to um, – 49 yards rushing, um, and they had to, they were forced to punt seven times. So despite the quarterback, you know, doing his job with not turning the ball over, completing passes, and getting just under 300 yards and a touchdown, yeah, they really got to st- prevent being one-dimensional offense and really putting the ball in the end zone and really just even field goals, really, because they only attempted one field goal and they missed it. Um, they do host Wofford. Um, Wofford has. You know, they got that triple option offense. That's, that's always hard to stop, especially when we only have one week to prepare. Now, they, you know, they do seem to play every year, so Chattanooga should, is used to seeing it more than some teams. It's, I feel like this could go either way, really. This is Wofford's really first test of the season, in my opinion. It's on the road at Chattanooga. Chattanooga really needs a bounce-back win. I'm going to go 51-49% in favor of Wofford. I think the Terriers will get a big win and really just make everyone believe that, hey, we are really a top-10 team and are a serious, legitimate playoff and national title contender. All right. Uh, Jeff, what do you think? You know, I'm finally starting to get on that Wofford bandwagon a bit. I mean, I finally moved them into my top-10. Everybody else has had them there most of the season. I've just there, there hadn't been anything yet that had made me go, oh, yes, I, I, I truly think that they are a top-ten team. I'm finally starting to believe I'm going to just keep that going. And, you know, again, Chattanooga just didn't have the, a, a good week last week. Maybe that was a, a blip on the radar or a blip on the um, whatever. It, it was just, you know, an abnormality. But yeah, at this point, I'm still going to – Stay on that Wofford bandwagon for at least another week or so. Wofford, and uh, I think by a, by a couple touchdowns at least. <sighs> okay. So, you know, my mind tells me to go with Wofford for, for a lot of the reasons that you guys mentioned. But with the way that the SOCON has gone this year, I just see total chaos in that league. Um, if Walford wins this game, I think that it will really kind of hammer out what this league is going to look like moving forward. Um, and then Chattanooga, I think, would probably be the best bet uh, for them to get two teams because it, with many more of these teams beating up on each other, they may be looking like a one-bid team. Definitely not three, but that's beside the point. I'm going to go for chaos. I'm going to go for Chattanooga. I think they know how much this game means. They're playing at home. 
Um, they're not going to get many more opportunities, if any opportunities, to play against top 25 competition. And I know that they know that they snuck into the top 25 last week. So I think that they're going to be out there trying to prove to themselves and the country that you ranked us correctly. Um, we're going to handle Walford. I'm not saying that they're going to handle them, handle them. But I'm just going to go with Chattanooga for this one. I, I, I look for them to pull it out. Um, don't hate me too much, Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, let's move on to our Pick'em game. And we'll just do a round robin here. We've got, like I said, we're traveling to Maine, Dakota. Uh, who do you got in this game? Again, this is one of those games I feel like it's really a toss-up. Uh, Villanova needs to win more. Maine is always tough at home. A big game in the Colonial, big game for both teams. Maine has looked more impressive at times, but their offense has been a net the last couple of weeks. That, that kind of worries me. I'm going to give the nod to Villanova on the road to keep their playoff hopes alive. All right. Uh, Jeff, what about you? I, you know, I I love the home field advantage, and I think uh, Maine understands what they've got going on in this game. I think I'm going to give this nod to Maine. I think that they're going to try and hold serve. They're going to try and uh, right the ship and, and try and sail their way towards the playoffs. All right. So this this is an incredibly difficult game because I think we've talked about how much this is going to mean for playoff contention for both teams. That said, I, I think that Villanova is a little more aware of the moment. I think they have slightly more experience in these moments, especially as a coaching staff. Um, I, ju- I just don't think that they're going to let themselves fall to 0-3 in conference. I, I cannot see that happening with Villanova because it if they lose this game, they are literally done. They are going to lose to JMU next week, especially if they lose this game. And I think they want a little momentum going into that game. I think they want to right the ship. And I think their defense is going to be playing for some pride because they have been knocked around when they've played CAA teams. So I'm going to go with Villanova. I think it's going to be a grinded-out game, uh, something like 27-23, um, very close with a few big plays here and there, but I, I, I expect Villanova to uh, pull this one out in the end and make the CAA even more of a cluster than it already is. So um, we have about two minutes. Does anybody have anything else that they'd like to say? Honestly, I'm pretty good for this week. I look forward to Western going over to to normal this week. Unfortunately, um, I think that's going to go uh, the Redbirds' way, and I think that that uh, I think that we'll, we'll hopefully uh, at least show them a good time. But I have a feeling we're going to go home with our tail between our legs. All right, uh, Dakota. Anything from you? Uh, not much. I'm looking forward to the great weekend of football. Looking forward to see JSU get a. But I assume a not-so-common test in the OVC against Eastern Kentucky this week on the road. Wonderful. Um, And for me, um, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing JMU and Elon face off. Uh, I think both teams deserve the test that they're going to get between the two of them. Um, I still see JMU uh, pulling it out, being a little more dominant than usual. 
um, or a little more dominant than maybe people are expecting, but I don't expect the 37-point spread that I've seen. Just ridiculous. Um, and then other than that, I think that there's a bunch of huge games in the CAA this weekend that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. But now I have an eye on the SOCON as well because they're just as, if not more, chaotic than us. So with that being said, I think we'll say good night to everybody and uh, happy football watching. Yep, you too. Have a good weekend. Yeah. All right, see y'all later. All right, good night.